Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF Podcast. It's Friday, November 26th. In June 2021, the online marketplace Etsy announced its plans to acquire Depop for $1.6 billion. The move was yet another sign of the growing interest in the burgeoning fashion resale market, which, according to BOF Insights, is now worth more than $130 billion globally. In the latest episode of the BOF show, Depop CEO Maria Raga explains why she believed that it's Depop's community aspect, facilitating not just online transactions, but also person-to-person interactions, is essential for engaging with Gen Z shoppers. To watch episode 5 on resale, please find the link in our episode notes. In the meantime, here's my full interview with Maria Raga, exclusively on the BOF podcast. For Gen Z, this is like a really well-known, cool fashion technology community company. But a lot of people in other generations have never heard of Depop. So how would you explain it to someone who had no idea what Depop was? The way we explain it is in very simple terms. It's a marketplace for people to come and buy and sell fashion. Yeah. It is true that we have a unique approach to it. So we're very much a community-first business, which means that we allow our users to not just come to buy and sell, but to engage with one another, get inspired, support each other. And as a result, amazing things happen. You see some of our users 
becoming big brands, uh, big influencers. You have users that get to know each other through Depop and then end up doing amazing things. And uh, yes, after we've been in business for like, yeah, almost 10 years actually. It all started in Italy 10 years ago. This year is actually our 10th year anniversary. But you see how we've managed to build not just a marketplace, but also a brand that yeah. people recognize. So tell me about your story and Depop, because you didn't come from this world of fashion and technology. How did you end up here and why did you choose Depop? Yeah, my background at the beginning of my professional career can be seen quite you know, conservative. I went to university, I did a business school degree and I worked at a consulting firm. That sounds very familiar. Did you do that too? I did the exact oh, really? same thing. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, which one? McKinsey. McKinsey, oh, yeah. Okay. So, competition. Yeah. I didn't be in a company. But anyway, so you know better than me then that, um, you know, you get to know is a great uh, place to learn and, you know, to understand multiple industries, understand how to solve problems, but there was something missing there. Like, I really wanted to get into the action. And so I started to work at a company called Privalia in Spain, mm-hmm. which is like guilt model in the in the US of private sales. And back in the days, it was like the beginning of e-commerce and fashion, which was, if you remember, it was actually hard to sell fashion on online. And so they managed to build this model that made it a lot simpler. And so I loved it. I was like, this is what I need to be. Not necessarily the fashion piece, but the digital, the consumer tech, and so for personal reasons, I moved to the UK and yeah, there was this opportunity to work in Groupon that was growing super fast. And again, it was a digital consumer piece that attracted me to it. And, and then after the company went public through, through that journey, and so I decided to go back to something more entrepreneurial, something smaller. And I met one of the investors at Depop. I met Simon Beckerman, the founder. And I was fascinated by the amount of interactions, of messages, of liking that was happening in the app. The amount of items sold were like very, very small. It was like seven years ago. But you could see the interaction with the users. I was like fascinated. And then when I was seeing like, how is this business growing? How is this being faster? I basically saw the way they approach social media, which I grew up on. And probably was the time where businesses were using leveraging Facebook to just, you know, advertise this and that. But it was was the very early days. And I saw uh, the Depop team really engaging with the community, making the community to be the ones broadcasting Depop and not not Depop broadcasting Depop. And I found that super interesting. And of course, from a business standpoint, it's great because it's extremely organic. You don't have to rely on marketing. And it's also, most important of all, is authentic. They had an incentive to promote themselves, and it just comes a lot more natural. And so, yeah, that was the beginning of my journey. And the community part is so critical to Depop's model. You know, what makes a community-focused platform like Depop different from typical fashion e-commerce? From the very beginning, when you think about the way the app has been designed, it has been designed with that in mind. Again, it's not just a place where you come to find an item that you want. It's a place where you come to discover other people doing other things, uh, where you can actually interact with the users and then you can also engage with them in real life. And so for us, having this community-first appeal was extremely, extremely important. 
from the very beginning and it has a translation into how we build the product and also how we do marketing. And as we were growing, we were seeing that that was our angle. Some people decided to focus in a different way, but for us it was like community first is always going to be the most important thing. So always being in contact with our community, engaging with them, asking them for feedback about how do we build things, inviting them to our office. Back in the days when we were in the office every day, you would always see our users, but also like we would hire from our community. We still hire from our community. So mm-hmm. most of our employees are also users of Depop. And actually at the end of the day, what you also see is that there's a huge overlap of buyers and sellers in the platform. And that really creates that sense of community. It's not like a B2C model. It's, it's really a peer-to-peer where people start as a seller and then also become a buyer. And it's all of that basically forces the sense of of community. And it's only pre-loved secondhand products, is that correct? The majority is pre-loved. There's a portion of our users that started selling from their wardrobes, then they transitioned to their parents' wardrobes, to their grandparents' wardrobes, and then some of them become very passionate about fashion and and they end up either upcycling items or using old garments or actually creating, yeah, creating stuff that is, you know, has not been sold, let's say. But for us, it's, it's obviously not the big portion of it, but it's something that we also want to make sure that our sellers can also be creative. And what we do is we try to make sure that they do it in a sustainable way, because that's actually one of our key values in this business. When I first started looking at Depop, it looked a bit like Instagram to me. Hmm. Right? It's this grid, mobile first, comments. You talked about interactions. Mm -hmm. What role does the kind of UX and that kind of app experience that's familiar to people now? Because Instagram created this kind of behavior that in the fashion world especially is like such a big part of the way brands talk to consumers, the way consumers learn about brands. What thought process goes into like the actual user interface and Was there an inspiration from Instagram? If you were to ask uh, Simon, uh, who founded it uh, back in 2011, he would tell you that, yes, he was was definitely inspired by that. But also as a visionary, he saw that social commerce was going to be a big thing. So what he did is he combined these new aspects of Instagram with the lack of some of those aspects on places like eBay. And so he landed in something that you can say, okay, yeah, there's a lot of things that you could see similarities. But I think it's a normal evolution of of businesses. You could also argue that some of the things that you see in Instagram come from TikTok, right? Or the live shopping uh, stories. So, you know, we are all here to build businesses and we see uh, what other things are working and we we adapt. And now Instagram is trying to create commerce Actually, on their own app, right? Yes. So like they maybe there's things they've learned from you because they're trying they're really pushing Company. heavily into social commerce, right? Because so much inspiration happens on that platform. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the business model because, you know, if you're a peer-to-peer marketplace, how do you make money as a business? So like let's put on that Bain and Company consultant hat. Like describe to us the business model, how it works, how it's sustainable and profitable because so many companies in this space Mm. end up investing tons and tons and tons of money and building out these platforms but they're not yet profitable so can you talk a little bit about the business model and how it it sure yeah so the business model is uh, very simple we are a marketplace that puts together supply and demand and we charge a fee for our services of 10 percent on the value of the item and so with that 
10% what we do is we continue to invest in building a platform that provides better services, that it's safe, and we also support our sellers, as I was saying, on we have activities to help them become bigger sellers, but we also have activity on the marketing front. And as I was saying earlier, one of the great things about Depop is that because it was very organic, we didn't have to rely so much on the on the marketing side of things. So we basically focus on basically investing that 10% into continue to scale the platform. Because as you can imagine, as a community, as a social media per se, like there's lots of interactions and that requires lots of money in hosting. That goes to companies like Amazon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's in essence how, how the business model and, works. And the resale space is obviously exploding right now, right? You mm. have this, ma- you know, we did a report recently. Yes, very good one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we estimated the market. You know, to, it's like over a $100 billion mm. global market yes. opportunity yes. here. How do you see... Depop in the landscape of resale hmm. and how, for example, does it differ from higher end players like Vestia Collective or the hmm. Real Real? First of all, I've seen a growth in resale for a number of years. It's still like five years ago, it was very early days, but the um, mobile first commerce has really made that. I mean, there was always resale in the streets, charity shops and all that, but really that shift happened with businesses like Depot where it became really easy to list an item and to engage with another user from your phone, right? And what we've seen now, and probably we'll go through this later, with the pandemic, what we have seen is a real normalization of resale. And this is because, oh, of course, resale was closed, so people went online and companies had a hard time adding that inventory into, into the warehouses, but of course, everybody has inventory in their wardrobes, right? So that really made, I guess, resale to be, you know, in a very important area. And in fact, I think uh, there's a couple of reports that now start to look at fashion, but also resale. Like back in the days, you didn't even have the resale section of it. So it's has, be, it has become a real segment. And in that segment, I actually am a big believer that there's multiple types of players. I don't think it's a place for only one. So you've got the real real type, which is more of a consignment, and it's definitely a lot higher price point than Depop is. You've got a collective that is also no consignment, but they authenticate, they take, because they're obviously, their inventory, it's, it's requires that kind of authentication because of high value price. And then you've got players like Depop where our average price point is about 25 pounds, uh, although the majority, vast majority of our items are below 20 pounds. So it's a more accessible price point. And yeah, we're focusing on a younger generation where prices that are more accessible are obviously more important. And I think the trick is for us to continue to make it accessible, but most of all, desirable and fashionable. And this is one thing that it might be sometimes overlooked, but when I was talking about the community and how the users were really promoting this. One thing that I really saw from the very beginning is that they were making, as you said, fashion resale look cool. That is the big, big shift. And so what changed? Like, when did it go? Because, you know, when I grew up, I used to go to this place in Value Village, uh, in Canada, called Value Village, and I used to buy these, like, old Levi's jeans that were, like, all worn out. And my parents thought I was... Crazy. I mean, not crazy, <laughs> but they're like, why would you want to wear someone else's clothes? Yes. Like, we'll just buy you a new pair of jeans. And I wanted something old and worn in, and, like, it was hard to find my size. Yes. But what changed with the, like, mindset around mm. so, used clothes? Yes. Yeah, so I have some hypotheses. So okay. one of the hypotheses that I have is that 
especially for the Gen Cs or the younger user, they've been born with surplus around them and surplus that is available everywhere. And so it makes it very hard for them to feel unique and to be able to self-express. That's one thing. The second thing is that, again, technology has allowed people to really connect based on their styles and their interests. And so when you think about Deepop being back in the days, you were able to connect with your friends in your class, but now you can connect with anybody in the world. So you don't feel as an outcast anymore, right? Because you can find people like you somewhere else. But guess what? What that means is that if I like gothic clothes, if the trend this month or this season is not gothic clothes, I cannot wear what I like. But all of a sudden, thanks to these platforms, you're able to connect with these people that have that inventory or that had that same sense of style. And you don't feel, well, you can get that inventory first and foremost. And second, you don't feel that you are necessarily different. It's not that we were, at the very beginning, we were focused on a specific age group. But we saw that that age group really adopted Depop. And the only thing that we did was, okay, let's continue to provide this platform for them to continue to grow. But that's why I think, to your point about when this switch happened, I think it has started from them and now it's becoming more normalized because they have made it normal as a result of all these things. So what are the categories or products or brands that are the most popular mm. on Depop? I mean, I took a scan and it was like mm. all over the map. You know, and if your price point is, average price point is around 20 pounds, $30 mm. roughly, what are people buying at that price point? So the major key categories in the platform at the moment are streetwear and uh, vintage. And vintage goes from 60s, 70s all the way to 2000s, which obviously for me is not vintage, but for the generation it is. And so you've got multiple types of inventory there, right? We also have a big category, which is uh, jewelry, because again, it's a category that allows people to be very entrepreneurial, it's very easy to distribute. But in terms of the items, when you think about streetwear, for instance, major brands include Nike, Adidas, and so, of course, there's shoes, like, you know, the Converse that you have, I have as well, um, that, you know, you can buy from 10 pounds to, like, if they are more unique, you can go up to 50. And the same thing happens with Nike. Like, there's uh, unique items, but there's also, like, items that, you know, very standard. And then in terms of brands, besides uh, Nike, you have brands from Ralph Lauren. All these brands that are very, that have a story, that are quite unique, are the ones that are quite present in the platform. And do you have engagement with those brands? Like you know, when we were talking to Max at Vestia Collective, mm. he's had a lot of very difficult conversations with some of these big luxury brands, yeah, right? Of course. You know, Chanel, for example, is extremely against it. Yeah. They don't like this part of you know. They they yeah. maybe they're coming around to it now. But you know, what about the brands in in your world? Yeah. So we've been quite lucky actually because we didn't have to go out there and talk to them. They actually came to us initially because they wanted to get access to our community. They see, as we see, that Gen Z acts and behaves in a completely different way. And so they wanted to collaborate with us to understand that movement a bit better. They also want to get more involved in resale. I mean, and especially now that has become much more prominent. I think they are trying to see what's their place there. And so for us, we were super welcoming because 
we know that alone we're not going to change the world for better, so we need to work together. And so, yeah, for us, it has been a very positive engagement. Also, we see that when you think about, again, it's all about making resale more accessible, more desirable, more fashionable, partner with these brands and being able to provide that exciting inventory that is unique, and comes from a different age and has this history, like the partnership that we did with Ralph Lauren, which is fantastic, bringing some of our sellers surfacing inventory that they had. Some of them are like, you know, super passionate about the brand. It's an amazing way to work together, right? So, so far, we've had very good experience. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Is that kind of like customer acquisition and marketing for them? So like by engaging with Depop and, you know, making sure they're in a dialogue with you. You know, if, if Ralph Lauren all of a sudden becomes really cool in the Depop community, do you think that has 
benefits for them in their core business. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why eventually they reach out. They want to understand new consumers better so that they can serve them better. Yeah, because the luxury brands haven't really got there yet. Mm. The luxury brands, I think, still see this as some kind of threat or, you know, risk of cannibalization. Mm. But smart companies will understand that actually, just like they're discovering new customers through Instagram and other platforms, like Depop is a community where they can find and develop new relationships and, and get some cred, frankly. Com- completely, yeah. I think it's an evolution or everyone will get there, okay. for sure. I also saw some brands on there that I found a bit surprising, if I'm honest, of because you know the other kind of narrative around the resale market is that it's more sustainable. I saw brands on there like H&M mm. and Zara, which you know, even like the young kids out there, you know, will be first to tell you that the sustainable cred of those brands is in question, you know, Mm. the fast fashion model. You know, what's your position on, as a company that positions itself as part of the kind of circular fashion movement, how do you address the kind of infiltration of some of these fast fashion brands that frankly aren't necessarily sustainable, aren't ethical in the way they treat their workers and employ people throughout their supply chain? Mm. So a couple of things. So first, uh, when I talk about partnering with brands, we obviously make sure that we do that with partners that share the same values that we do around circularity, diversity, and creativity, let's say. So we're careful in terms of like, who do we partner with? In terms of the actual inventory, so to your point about Zara and H&M, we don't prevent that from being listed in the platform. And the reason is because we believe that by being able to resell those items in our platform, we are by default extending the life of those items. And we know that if those items are worn for, let's say, nine more months, uh, there's uh, an implication in the reduction of carbon footprint. So we believe that that is important that somebody needs to also provide that ability for those items to be resold. Otherwise, they will be discarded. But at the same time, we also want to make sure that for those brands that there's there's a conscious behind that and they continue to invest in their processes to be more sustainable for sure. Are you in dialogue with companies like that, with H&M and Zara, or is it different? Um, with those, particularly not, um, but uh, as we grow, as we become more prominent, I would like to be able to have direct conversation with them, especially mm-hmm. H&M that is actually doing loads of things yeah. from the sustainability front. And, but yeah, that's something that we will definitely have in the cards. Got it. The pandemic has disrupted everything. Yes. Right? Your offices here are for a company that employs 300 plus people in London. I think there's maybe like 30 people here today. Mm. Apart from, you know, the disruption to daily life in the office and all of that, which I think is consistent pretty much across all companies, you know, what specific change happened to your business, Mm. the way it works, Mm. the engagement with your community. How did it all play out for Depop? Because every company has their pandemic story. Yeah. So first and foremost, there's not that many people in the office because we're moving into a new office. And also we want to make sure that people feel comfortable going back. So we'll have a transition period where hopefully there will be a, a lot more. Now, in terms of the pandemic, what has meant for Depop, and as, as for many other research platforms, it has been a tremendous moment of growth. So as people have more time at home, they look at more items, and they list more items, and, and so we've seen 100% growth year on year on the back of the pandemic. Revenue growth. Yeah, both wow. uh, um, growth sales and revenue. And how does 100% compare to how it was growing before? 
we were growing about 50% before. Oh, wow. So, was, so growth doubled. Yeah, growth doubled. Yeah, it was massive. And so imagine, like, for the business, for in terms of how it operated, how we had to scale, how we had to change some of the things that, that we're doing, like all of a sudden we had to introduce a shipping method that will come to your house so you didn't have to go to Royal Mail to, to send your item, or how we had to double the support to be able to be there for our users or whatever need they had. So it was crazy. I mean, it was very good, but at the same time, from an operation standpoint, it was challenging. And also, like all the companies, like the way you start to communicate with uh, your employees, it has to be all through Zoom, through email. And I love being with my team and talking to them and assessing how things are going and strategizing, you know, in the cafeteria, you know. Um, so that for me was very hard because of the type of leader that I am. But it's been a long time, right? And so you sort of adapt to, to what you have and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, with vaccinations and all of that in the new office, also the Etsy acquisition. It's super exciting time for us. So yeah, there's goods and bads, but we're in a very good place. So in our report, on the resale market, we actually identified that the biggest constraint to growth in the resale market isn't supply, but it's actually suppliers. It's like people actually realizing that they might have some built up value in their closets, but they can realize by putting it on a platform like Depop. How did the pandemic impact kind of supply on the platform and are there lessons you can learn about how to get more and more people aware that actually they have assets in their wardrobes? Yeah, so the pandemic made people realize that they had a lot of things in their closets. Uh, Maria Kondo was also quite good on, on, right. on showing people that you've got too much. You're not going to be able to wear that in your lifetime. So I think it was a moment in time that made people realize, wow, you know, this is an issue. On the back of that, there's obviously a lot more social consumption. So people are realizing that there's far too much out there. If you think about the amount of items being produced on a yearly basis. A hundred billion. It's crazy. That's like, what, more than 250 million items a day. I think people are starting to realize maybe a pandemic had to happen for people to notice that. But in terms of what we can learn going forward, one of the things that we saw at Depop is that, to your point, actually, that supply drove the demand because people were listing all these items, they were talking about it in social media, and then people were coming to, oh, let's see. And so in terms of what we can learn from that, it's about not mimicking what happened because you don't want people to be at home Right? So it's about reducing the frictions that they found along the way. So like, how do we make sure that we connect with buyers and sellers in a better way so that they don't have to be looking at multiple items? So one of our core areas of work right now is personalizing the app and really making a big difference between the browsing experience and the search experience. So search is all about relevance and finding the item quicker. Browsing is about inspiration and it's okay if you have to look at more items, but it's also necessary that we understand more about you so that we can surface things that you may like. So yeah, it's been definitely an area, a moment for us to understand what was happening in the marketplace and take a, you know, better steps going forward to continue to grow it. The other thing we learned from our report was actually that compared to other considerations, sustainability was actually the third motivating factor. Mm. It wasn't, it's not the number one factor mm. of why people go to Depop. Why do you think that is? It was things like value and affordability mm. that came up higher. Yeah, I think everything like 
for sustainable items to be really very meaningful, there has to be a financial incentive there. So the same thing, like for our sellers to be able to continue to list items, they have to see a return. And for our buyers, yeah, affordability has to be there. They're not gonna pay double the price. And so what actually our users saw at the beginning is still there is that they are able to buy things that are high quality at a lower price. And in fact, when we ask our users, we, have a, we did a, a Bain report on, on our users to really understand what drives them. And yeah, like uh, 60 to 70% of our users went into resale because it was a good value for money. So that has to be there. If there's not a, some kind of financial incentive, it's very hard in a capitalist world that we're in to actually succeed. But we also see that as a way to you know, foster good things. So yeah, value is definitely something very important for everyone. Okay, so while all of this craziness of the pandemic is going on, you announce that you've been acquired mm. by Etsy for $1.62 billion, mm. if my memory serves me correctly. One, what was the motivating factor for Etsy to approach you? Two, why was this appealing to you and Simon and you know the Depop team to, to kind of take this on? Mm. And three, how does it change the course of development for Depop compared to what you were already planning before? I'm going to start with two and three, and then I'll go back to one. Okay. It's uh, easier. First, I've always admired the journey of Etsy from the very beginning. And when you see what Josh Silverman, the CEO of Etsy, has done since he joined in 2018, it's incredible. Like He really grew the business in just a matter of three, four years. And so I was, we were always quite intrigued to see what they were doing. And Did you know them? Um, so basically, two years ago, we met them and uh, yeah, it was very much like a knowledge sharing session and some of the things that we ended up doing was on the back of uh, some of the conversation that we have with them. They have a team here in the UK and it was always been very, again, very collaborative. And so then last year when basically they mentioned the possibility of actually partnering uh, in a stronger way, at the beginning, yeah, it's not something that I was considering. Like in the journey of a startup, you think about exit a lot more down the line and it's not necessarily a strategic exit. But, and also like thinking about Depot, like it's not that we are constantly looking at how we're going to be acquired. No, it's, we're so focused on our own growth. But when that happens, I socialized a little bit with the board and with Simon, the founder. And actually, I realized that first, there's a lot of similarities in Etsy and, and Depop in terms of values, if you will. So they really, really foster entrepreneurship. They really support entrepreneurship and, and creativity. And they also really believe in, in, in consumers that are community-led. And so for me, it was like, okay, so actually it could be an interesting model, plus the fact that they've been in business for 15 years, so they've been going through various things that we will have to go through and we can definitely leverage uh, from. So the more we engage with them, the more we start to visualize that partnership of, of working together, the more I realize that, wow, that it could be a perfect home for Depot where we can materialize our mission in a faster way. And so the things that we're working on right now, obviously there's a lot of work done on the integration, but there are areas around safety and making the experience richer from a buyer and a seller, building a platform that is more um, scalable internationally. So those are areas that we're working really closely with Etsy to, to allow us to grow faster. And in terms of why does it make sense for Etsy, their strategy is to build the um, house of brands that have very similar values and so be able to 
build a portfolio of multiple brands that has this unique appeal, unique branding, and be able to have a support function that applies to all the different brands. Sure. So there's some synergies, but there's also this idea of multiple brands. I also would have thought that there's some complementarity in terms of audience. So Depop's young, Gen Z, cool is kind of different from what you think about the users of Etsy. Correct. I mean, that was not the uh, focus in a sense, because while they want to support us, they want to also keep us, you know, staying unique and truth to what we are. But yeah, eventually, uh, one of the things that we actually see with the pandemic is that the pandemic has normalized resale. And on the back of that, more people are open to resale from different age groups. And so for us, more than focusing on age group, we focus on a mindset, on a mindset around, you know, how important it is entrepreneurship and creativity and self-expression rather than focusing on age group. So looking ahead, this market is accelerating in growth. Your business accelerated from 50% growth to 100% growth. Give us a sense, and from your vantage point, what does this resale market look like, say, five years from now? And how much of a role can it really play in kind of, you know, you mentioned 250 million garments a day Mm. produced in this industry. Mm. How can resale play a role in kind of changing the way the fashion business works? Because Mm. producing 100 billion garments a year with a large majority of those garments going into landfill Mm. doesn't feel consistent or right in the context of a climate crisis that you can literally live with it now, the impact of all of this waste. Mm. I think that first and foremost, definitely there's going to be more and more adoption of resale, which means that as a segment will become a lot bigger, will become more influential. And it's already happening. Like brands are taking notice. They are launching their own initiatives to make resale a profitable alternative because if it's not, they will always prioritize. And so it's about finding new ways to do what they're doing without causing harm to the environment. So whether it's maybe producing less, producing more on demand, partnering with brands like Depop, marketplaces like Depop, creating their own resale. I'm a believer that we are going to see an evolution of how brands work, which we haven't seen for the past 20 years, right? So we got at a point where things need to change. And I want to believe that people are going to find what those things are. If you ask me what exactly how they're going to work, I don't know. But I think there's going to be a lot of test and iteration. But definitely in five years' time, I would see expect resale to be a, a lot larger and potentially a reduction in other segments in the fashion industry for sure. In a way, because of the afford- priority of affordability, value, uniqueness, mm. style, would you agree that maybe some of your biggest competitors are those big fast fashion companies that provide access to this dream or this like a young person being able to use fashion to express themselves. That's why anyone wears clothes and Mm. chooses what they wear. It's like they want to show who they are. Mm. Are companies like Depop in the future a potential alternative to these Um, kind of companies that are churning out product? I don't look at it that way. I would say like if you were to compare like that, I would say, well, yes, but they're not sustainable and we are, right? I think the most differentiator aspect of that is the fact that we are peer-to-peer. There's a conversation with a seller, with a big brand that doesn't exist. And so I would never see myself a competitor. Sure, but are you taking market share away from them, do you Um, think? Like, is someone who maybe hmm. five, ten years ago would have walked into a fast fashion company, are they now 
you know, picking up the Depop app and instead looking for things there? Yeah, of course they're doing that, for sure. I mean, some of the brands that you're mentioning are very, very large. Yeah. And so for us to be able to make a big difference, we need to continue our journey to become the home of fashion that is diverse and, and progressive. And which, with that, what I mean is sustainable. So that's the goal, to be able to make an impact. But for that, we need to continue growing. Okay, well, I wish you good luck on <laughs> your growth you. journey. And congratulations on what has sounds like has been an exceptionally mm. exciting and challenging, for sure, but rewarding 18 months. Extremely. Thank you so much. Of course, thank you. What we wear says a lot about who we are. Yet fashion is also a $2.5 trillion global industry that touches everyone on Earth. I'm Imran Ahmed. I first started trying to make sense of the business of fashion 15 years ago, as it was being transformed by technology, globalization, and shifting consumer values. Now I'm on a journey to see how fashion is recalibrating after the pandemic to balance profit with purpose. This is the Business of Fashion Show. Join me to discover how fashion shapes business, culture, and identity, and to meet the people forging fashion's future. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.